um, a thought I had on Friday night. Continue. Do you think Sam Presti sleeps? <laughs> this is something I've been thinking about for a little bit. Like ever. Like I, I imagine you know this what week I think? he's just like eyes or bloodshot. He's locked himself into the front office of. He's the, in a debunker right at now. At Thunder, a debunker? Is it bunker? It's a bunker, right? <laughs> it's a bunker. Like, to debunk something. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, versus, oh, the files are whatever. No, the to debunk. The mystery's like been yeah, debunked. Yeah, yeah. The myth has been debunked or something like that. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the GM <laughs> is in debunker. I mean, I could have just been kind of like, being cool and young and saying in the bunker that's and not that's been... not what happened <laughs> no but it you know what we'll leave all this in and the people will decide that is christine butterfield i am ryan chapman no brady trantham today um look guys it's it's the new thunder season i think you're just gonna have to start getting used to some combination of the three of us plus i'm sure some other friends that are out there some big plans that brady has but we have a bunch of stuff Today, first thing you need to do though, at CBN Sports, at Radios Ryan, make sure you let me and Christine know if you think that she was trying to be cool or if she actually thought it was a debunker. We'll put a poll out on Twitter. We'll put the poll out, but welcome in. This is the OKC 82 podcast brought to you by New Balance of Edmund. We already said you were Christine. I don't know if I ever, I'm Ryan Chapman. I don't know if I said that or not. I can't Hi. remember. Hello. Um, look, it's been a long week. We obviously were here at at the franchise for draft night, put that podcast out in the wee hours of, I guess, technically Thursday morning. A ton of stuff has gone down since then, and we can never find time to all match up, and it turns out we just need to let the dust settle because, oh my gosh, Sam Presti went off this week. It was crazy. It was like left and right, changes were being made, and it seemed as quickly as someone had Photoshopped a jersey onto someone that had moved to the thunder they were just as quickly taken away so yes it's it's really interesting because people had postulated about when the thunder rebuild was going to start all this stuff chris paul coming in last season it it was a really good year for those younger guys plus i'm not sure you could have moved chris paul's contract at the beginning of last season anyway but um thunder fans were really treated to one more year one last hurrah of this ain't gonna suck totally for one more year it looks like sam presti has just decided to pull the trigger as now christine the longest tenured player on the thunder roster do you know who it is i don't know it is hamadou diallo (laughs) i saw i believe it was our friend nick crane put it out there that if you go back three seasons ago and take a screenshot of the roster not a single person from three seasons ago, is on the roster now. So a ton of moves to get to, Christine, but where do you even want to start? Should we just, like, track through it as it happened? Yeah, let's just go chronologically and pick by pick, trade by trade. Okay, all right. Do do you want to – should we go all the way back? So the the first trade for this calendar year, we've already kind of talked about them, the Dennis Schroeder trade that netted back Danny Green and pick 28 in Wednesday's draft. And then the Suns trade where Chris Paul and Nader went to Phoenix. And in return, Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Ty Jeremy, Jerome. I, why do I keep saying Jeremy? I don't. I, I feel like, for whatever reason, I think that his name is weird and it's not. Ty Jerome, Jalen Akio, 
and then a 2022 first-round pick. That's the stuff we knew heading into draft night. Le Q. Le Q. Le Q. Le Q. Le Q. <laughs> we don't need to say that many times. Things to find out. Okay, Christine. Then on draft day, there was the trade with Philadelphia, where Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson are going to the Sixers. In return, the Thunder got Al Horford, uh, the draft rights of uh, Vasalije Maisic. Hoping that's right. <laughs> I was like, I can't wait to hear him pronounce this. Hoping that's right. They got a protected 2025th first rounder and then the 34th pick in Wednesday's draft, which turned into Teo Maladone. So that was all of the stuff through draft night we've talked about, um, including also uh, the, the Minnesota trade, obviously. Ricky Rubio and then 25 and 28, the picks Wednesday, went to Minnesota. In return, the Thunder leapt up to pick 17 so they could get Alexei Pokashevsky and then James Johnson. So that that was what we had last time we left. Some huge pieces have been moved since we last convened, though, Christine. Yeah, so since we last talked, Kelly Oubre is now officially with the Golden State Warriors, and in return, the Thunder have received the 2021 protected first-round draft pick. Yes, so this was a trade that I saw a lot of people kind of complaining about because... This protection is a 1 through 20 pick protection. So if the Warriors are drafting 1 through 20, it's no longer a first rounder. It becomes two second rounders. So what were your thoughts on, do you think that was the right return for Kelly Oubre for um, a a guy that we were unsure if he was even going to suit up for the Thunder? Yeah, my original frustration with this was that when thinking about what Sam Presti could get for Kelly Oubre. I didn't think it would be much at that point after he had already been traded to the Thunder. So that's where my reservations were for trading him out, even though it's it seemed like that was going to be the right move despite everything. So, I mean, I guess Sam Presti is lucky that he got really anything for Kelly Oubre because I didn't think that it, he was going to like have a high stock in the trade. So I didn't think there was going to be much to get for him. But I still don't like it I still don't think it's enough personally so uh, I think that like first off let's remember it's Kelly Oubre so like well yeah it's not not, like he's not like a basketball god it's not like some superstar so the I guess for those of you out there that didn't want Kelly Oubre like didn't like this deal for Oubre let's walk through what best case scenario would have been Kelly Oubre goes out and absolutely balls out this year and a contender at the deadline comes in and says, we want to add him. He's an expiring deal. He can be a mercenary for hire, extra shooter in the playoffs, something like that. Okay. If that draft pick you were going to get back in return was this year, that was going to be a pick that's 21 through 30 anyway. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, no, but what what I'm saying is I think there's too many variables in this protected draft pick that right. I don't I don't see it being a equal trade now because we don't know what it's going to look like. Okay, but well, I mean you can say that about any trade. Like well, we never know what any trade's going to look like. Well, yeah, but it I just feel like this this one was stranger than the rest. Well, I I just I guess I don't see Kelly Oubre as a guy that Sam Presti could have demanded. Like I guess best case scenario is you get a draft pick that's not in the 2021 draft that might be in the mid-teens or, or a lottery pick, I guess, by the time that team works through the stuff. But, like, the Thunder, I, I truly believe it. And, look, we, we talked about this with Brady 
on the draft night pod. The Thunder, I don't think, had the leverage that Sam Presti usually has. We talk about the great deal he got for Paul George. Well, that's because if Paul George was going to the Clippers, the Clippers were getting Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, obviously. So that's why you yeah. got that pick haul. Well, right. And then uh, James Harden and Chris Paul obviously did not want to play with each other again. So that was how he was able to to get something in return. You know, sending Westbrook, obviously, not going to be easy anyway with that contract, stuff like that. I just, Kelly Oubre, I don't think he was going to sign back with Oklahoma City. So the second that he steps onto the floor for the Thunder, everyone knows that they can go get him next year in free agency if they really need him. So you, so Sam Presti saw Clay Thompson go down and said, it's unfortunate, but this is a situation where I can go out and get something for him now. Because there's no guarantee that Kelly Oubre goes out and absolutely balls out for this Thunder team like looking over the roster now, which we'll get into that in a little bit, we will kind of project what the roster sort of is now. This was going to be a very bad basketball team, so there is no guarantee that a guy like Ubre, who hasn't been able to to rise above bad teams yet in his career, like now that he's the primary option, was he going to go out and ball? Like I don't think that was going to happen. So the Thunder basically said, we're going to go ahead and lock down that late first-round pick that you would get for dealing him to a contender at the deadline. Like, I think that's good business for a guy that is no guarantee that, that he was going to ball out. I understand that. I guess I'm just – maybe I'm in the minority here, but it seems like at this point Sam Presti would rather have 30 picks than an actual roster because – Yeah, I mean – I mean, no, what I'm saying – like, it just seems like – it just seemed like to me when I kept reading about what assets Sam Presti was receiving in all these trades – he seemed way more concerned about getting like this superfluous amount of draft picks versus filling out the rest of his roster that he's trading away. Well, who gives a damn about the roster this year? No, well, I mean, I'm not like, saying. The goal is to I'm take. not saying to get like the best players out there. I'm just saying like get some guys at least. <laughs> like, come on. Why? Who cares? Like, the goal this year is to be the worst team in the NBA. Like, the, a great year for the Thunder I'm not this year. Say- is to get the number one overall draft right. pick on your own merit. No, I understand. I'm just saying that I, with the amount of players that they're exporting, they weren't importing the same amount, and that was where I got concerned. Okay. So, so. that's 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 where I was concerned. I'm not saying that you know you're going to get a player from Golden State for Kelly Oubre, and you're certainly not going to get who they drafted that night. So it wasn't like. I thought that they should have received a player in return. back, or but, like yeah. Draymond would be the only other player, ironically, that like, unless, right. unless you're like getting five players back, like Draymond would be the only other player to be the easy money match where you don't have to move too much else. Like, what, okay, ideal world, take Golden State out of it. What What do you think would have been fair for Oubre then? A first round draft pick? <laughs> no. Which is what they got? Well, I just think, I just, I don't know. I don't, if I, if, okay. If you are trading like a player, okay, I'm not going to trade a player if all I'm going to get back is a first round draft pick. Why? Because I would want at least another player in return. Okay, so if it's a shitty player that is never going to factor into your core three, like the Thunder are not building for right now. We know that. I'm not saying you're saying that, but the Thunder are not building for right now. So every move that Sam Presti is making is to be a competitor three or four years from now to contend three or four years from now. So why would you want a player right now that's not going to factor into your future plans, that's just basically going to be dead money on the books until they become a free agent? Like, I just – and your your frustration is the prevailing opinion I saw on Twitter. 
after this trade. So, like, you are voicing the frustration that I saw on Twitter. I know Twitter's not real life, but that was the people that were unhappy with it. I'm just – I think that you kind of have to readjust your expectations for what trades the Thunder are going to make from now on as far as shipping people out just because other than Steven Adams, who we're going to talk about next, uh, the Thunder no longer have super attractive pieces unless they flip some of these guys at the deadline because they've played well. Yeah, I guess I was just coming from the opinion that I'm like, oh, another first-round draft pick, cool. So Like, like, okay. Okay, so before before we talk about the Steven Adams trade then, uh, this is another thing that I've seen. Uh, There was a bunch of people that were like, okay, the Thunder have a bunch of picks, great, what's the end game? They have a bunch of picks from teams that are good, that are likely going to be late-round picks, stuff like that. What's the end game? All right. Uh, as simply as possible, the Thunder have a, about 15. We'll, we'll go through it. Uh, there's a lot of protection, stuff like that. We will. I promise at, at some point we will go through the entire list of picks. But I think where Sam Presti's coming from, people keep asking, like, what's the end game? What's the end game? If the Thunder have 15 picks... They can, theoretically, let's assume that they perfectly tank this year and get, we'll just say, Cade Cunningham. Boom. The Thunder, with the number one overall pick, select Cade Cunningham, and then they can trade five picks in the 2022 draft for the number one pick, five picks in the 2023 draft for the number one pick, and you have a core of your three number one overall picks, and oh, by the way, you still have five picks left over to trade for whatever disgruntled superstar happens to pop up while those guys are all still on their rookie deals, you all of a sudden have built a core. You can bring in veteran help three, four years from now and immediately go from a tank season this year to potentially being a title contender if everything falls in correctly. That's what I view the end game as. Like, so, no, th- I, I view it the same way. Okay. I, I mean, and I feel like the Kelly Oubre trade was just a small addition to that. Right. I just, I think I view Sam Presti as a general manager and the way he negotiates deals. I view it at an elite level versus other GMs GM, in the yeah, league. Yeah, sure. So, based on what I'm used to seeing him get in return for other players, where I think he always gets the better end of the deal, I don't know if he necessarily got that this time. Well, but that- when you're if you're, if you're using it as, like, you know, another building block towards your end game of, you know, getting however many first-round draft picks so that you can trade them away for other assets or you can, you know, like, obviously use the first-round draft picks and get exactly who you want all the time, then sure, like, that that was great. But ultimately for me, I, I think I expected more out of that trade from him based on what I've seen previously. Gotcha. I guess that just boils back to kind of like the Kelly Oubre trade's the first trade in a long time that Presti hasn't had the leverage. So right. I, I think it's, That's it's true. Presti's a great negotiator. He is. It's very easy to continually have that track record of looking like an incredible negotiator when you always are leveraging disgruntled players elsewhere. Here, it's the first time that he had a guy that I'm not, like, again, I'm just speculating. I don't think Kelly Oubre wanted to play a single minute of basketball in Oklahoma City. I don't really doubt that. I don't really doubt. At least he was classier than Ricky Rubio. That's all I have to say on the matter. <laughs> and by being classier than Ricky Rubio, all Kelly Oubre did is just not, not tweet. tweet. <laughs> yeah, for a week. Yeah. Which, interesting. Which is fine. All right. So there's one more trade we're going to get to. Obviously, this is the one that's going to, it, this is the gut punch to Thunder fans. Whew. Steven Adams is part of a multi team deal. The long and short of it is Steven Adams is going to the New Orleans Pelicans. 
as well as the other player that's getting shipped out in this multi-team deal was James Johnson. Remember him? He was acquired on Thursday, gone by Friday night. Uh. Thunder legend James Johnson. In return, the Thunder are picking up George Hill, Trevor Ariza, Justin Jackson, Darius Miller, a protected 2023 first-rounder, and then second-round picks in 2023 and 2024. And, Christine, I'm going to be honest with you. Tracking this trade was a shit show. It was exhausting. And I... There might be another first round pick somewhere there. I'm, I'm still, like I'm not 100% sure. Right. It's still confusing. Yeah. Because anytime there's a multi-team deal, I feel like you always have to repeat all the facts of the deal like three times to yourself to really remember exactly what happened, let alone like f- this was a four-team deal, wasn't it? So, technically there were si- the Thunder at one point Sam Presti <laughs> was negotiating a separate three-team deal and a four-team deal. And then the moving parts were grouped in a way that it could have technically at one point been considered a seven-team deal. And I think that's what made it impossible because basically, like, remember, this is being reported on Twitter in real time by Woj and Chams and elsewhere. It's hard to quantify what's happening in 280 characters when you've yeah. got that many teams involved. So uh, with Bedlam obviously going down this weekend, I haven't had time to sit back and sift through exactly what's happening. So there may be another first-round pick. But the headline is, the Thunder have traded Steven Adams. So this one is tough. This is the last remnant of the old Thunder. Steven yeah. Adams, um, you know, he can his lineage in OKC can be tied all the way back to that James Harden trade, mm-hmm. which was really... I feel like it's been the defining moment of the franchise so far. It's the James Harden trade, Kevin Durant leaving, Russell Westbrook signing his deal to stay. Like I feel like those are the three pillars of Pil- Thunder yeah. basketball. So I, I think we just need to take a second. Like, what was your reaction when you saw that Steven Adams was gonna not going to be a part of this team? I completely understand why all the Thunder fans kind of are taking this one harder than most. He's been on the team for a very long time, and I think he represents a lot of what people love about the Thunder culture. And I think he's a fan – well, obviously he's a fan favorite. People in the media love interviewing him because he has a great personality, always cracking really good jokes. So for me personally, I am I am going to miss having media availability and knowing that, you know, like we're going to get someone who, you know, like respects other people, who gives good answers, and who is just kind of a, a joy to actually talk to. So – and – and I've heard, you know, a bunch of stories about him in the locker room and just bringing up, like, positivity, good culture and everything. So I think from that standpoint, I think it's going to be a big loss. Now, when you talk about him playing on the court, I don't think it's I don't think it's that detrimental to where the Thunder want to go now. And I also believe that with where they're heading, he probably wasn't fitting into that style of basketball anyways. So as tough as this is a loss for a lot of the Thunder community to kind of take and to understand, I do believe it's for the best. So ultimately, I kind of was like, okay, yeah, it's time. Yeah, Steven Adams, is the he's the perfect culture fit for Oklahoma City. I, I think he really embodies just like on the floor, especially like it's rare you get a guy that's a centerpiece of a franchise that reflects the city. Like right. Steven Adams is pretty low-key. He just – like his game's not super flashy. He's just a hard worker. He's willing to do the dirty side of the game on offense. He's willing to not have the flashy numbers to set great screens to open up things for everybody else. And then off the court, he like he doesn't take himself too seriously. And I feel like that that kind of is like the heartbeat of what Oklahoma is. Is it's a bunch of people that 
not super flashy. Like Oklahomans just put their head down and just know how to fucking work. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it's just the perfect embodiment. Obviously, him off the floor in his interviews, everything like that. Uh, incredible interview, incredible soundbite. Like, it's understandable. He will be a fan favorite in every city he's in. Yeah. And there are a lot of players out there that are that are like fan favorites while they're on your team and everyone else hates them. I I don't know. I feel like over the years, as, as we kind of see his personality come out more and more, I feel like Steven Adams has entered that like international treasure territory where like <laughs> yeah. everyone in the league's just like, cool dude, fun guy, good dude. And so I, I find it really interesting. If you're talking purely about Steven Adams and his contract this year is an expiring deal, owed about $25 million. Like, Steven Adams is not a $25 million center. Like, I'm sorry. I love him. He's not that guy. What he is is he might be worth $25 million to a young team for all that stuff you talked about, Christine, the intangibles off the court, his leadership, and uh, just what he can do day in, day out in practice, especially, like, with Alexei Pokashevsky coming in. People would kind of said, okay, well, this is a guy that's going to have to beef up and – and who better than to introduce him to the physicality of the NBA game every day in practice than a guy like Steven Adams, who is absolutely probably going to dominate that poor kid, but will probably right. also have great advice and things like that to build that player back up. So it's one of those things that on on the court doesn't necessarily translate if you're talking just production, but everything else might have been worth it. But again, it is an, ex- it is an expiring contract. No guarantee that he's going to be back. And moving Steven Adams is going to make you a worse team how this team was constructed. So again, as far as purely the like guys, I'm sorry, it, it sucks to hear this. Yeah, it does. <laughs> the number one goal this season is to lose basketball games. If you get the number one pick or a top two pick, that immediately flips. It flips back to trying to be as competitive as you can with your young core because you don't want to have that culture of losing. And that's why there are so many draft picks so that the Thunder can trade and not like, be good enough to not have the number one pick and still pick high. You know what I mean? Yeah, and to be fair, I don't even think Steven Adams would want to be a part of a t- Thunder team at this point that is supposed to tank. Yeah, Like, he's been he's been through it. He's been, you know, he's been with the Stars, and he can play with just about anyone. And I really think at this stage in his career and at this stage of life, with how, you know, like, he's kind of getting a little bit older, he's not going to want to stick around for a team that's supposed to tank and that's supposed to lose. And you know, put his head down day in and day out and do all the hardworking stuff off the court that he's used to doing with kind of the pros of them actually looking like a playoff contender. So right. it it makes sense for him to leave, frankly. So if, I mean, Thunder fans, you can be upset, you can mourn, I get it, but also just know that it's for the better for the Thunder franchise, but also for Steven Adams. This is an amicable breakup. Well, and I think, too, that Sam Presti understands that Oklahoma City is a small market Okay, there's always going to be that disadvantage in the NBA, but not only that, it's a small market that has a reputation, fair or not, like it is what it is. NBA players don't see Oklahoma City as a hub of culture or nightlife or a great place to live. I'm going to focus on basketball. Exactly. So I, I think it's amicable, or not amicable, commendable. The breakup <laughs> was amicable. It's commendable right. that Sam Presti continues to work with these guys on the way out. It was talked about with Chris Paul. That you know, you worked with Chris Paul, get get him to the Suns. That was something for him. Uh, Schroeder obviously is going to be pleased going to L.A. and immediately being on a, a, a team that can contend for a title. Russell Westbrook, you know, when when that trade happened, it was facilitated. There were even reports that when Sam Presti and Paul George were sitting down, he, Sam Presti said, "Sign this four-year deal. If at any point you want out, come talk to me. We'll try to get you to a good spot." Like there were reports that that conversation happened. So Sam Presti 
continues to move these guys on, not just for good returns, but to a place that it, it, they'll want to go. Because that front court of, of Steven Adams and Zion Williamson in New Orleans, Ooh. that's going to be fun to watch this season. Ooh. I'm excited for that. And, you know, I think I think going back to what you just said, Ryan, about um, Sam Presti, I think he really truly understands that this is a player's league now. And the best way to make everyone happy and to still build Oklahoma City Thunder as a place that players could potentially want to come is to make sure that he still puts the players first. And that's what you see in the trades, obviously getting people to what they want. But the best thing about Steven Adams leaving is – that big contract is not on the Thunder books anymore. For sure, for sure. And it's a deal that was expiring, but you got something for it. And that's that's going to be the goal of this season is to lose games and to get something for a few of the guys that are coming back. Um, do you want to go through the roster or do you want to do the picks and, the, and then close up with the roster? You want to do the picks? Let's do the picks now. Okay, okay. Um, this is this is a lot. Okay, everyone just – okay, buckle up. Are you Are you in? Are you set? Let let me do some quick counting. Math or meth? I don't yes. know. Yes. We we were talking about about this on the pod. I was like, oh, I can count, kind of, math. And he's like, or, or meth. Which one's better? I don't know. Okay, so if we don't count the pick swaps as actual picks, because I will read the pick swaps, but they aren't actual picks because you only get one pick. You just get the best pick. Between now and 2026, in the next six drafts, the Thunder have 17 potential picks. 17. Whew. That's a lot. That's a lot. Now, granted, all of, uh, the, a bunch of these picks are protected. I will read the protections as we go. But let, you just want to go draft by draft here to, to kind of break it up. Yeah, let's just do like, you know, 2021, 2022. Gotcha. Okay, so the 2021 draft, next year's draft, the Thunder currently have their own pick. So if the Thunder, Thunder in tank mode, whatever they earn themselves by tanking, congrats. The Thunder have the Heat pick. They've got the Warriors, which is, again, a, a protected 1 through 20. So if, if the Warriors are picking 1 through 20, that will convey as two second rounders. And I'm sorry, I'm not keeping track of the second rounders. And also, huge, enormous shout-out to Chisholm Holland. He was a big help putting together all of this. So shout-out Chisholm Holland. He actually did all of the dirty work here. And uh, so we, we do not deserve any of the credit for, for the next portion. But... Uh, the Warriors protected pick 1 through 20, the Thunder pick, the Miami pick, and then a Houston pick swap. So three picks potentially, and that Houston pick swaps the, the kicker because it looks like they're disgruntled in Houston. It could be a better pick, but either way, the Thunder are going to get the best pick out of Houston and Miami's pick because of how that trade right. went. Isn't that crazy to think about? Yes. That that like this is on the this is on the books now yes. for the upcoming year. And when you look at it the way it is. The pers- like the probability of the Thunder picking up overall number one draft pick is so high at this point. It's pretty yeah, it's pretty high. I like I don't know if they'll be the worst team in the league, but there is a website that does do simulations. And uh, another free plug, our friend Ryland Stiles over at the Locked On Thunder podcast. He said that he did two or three of the simulations, and the Thunder came out third. I think like three times. So the number three overall pick. Now, Cade Cunningham's a name that's thrown around a lot. If you want him at one. That's the good thing about the Thunder being even worse this year than maybe they initially planned is it's not going to cost you as much to go from 3 to 1 yeah. as it would from 10 to 1 obviously. Exactly. So. Yeah. So I mean they're in a pretty they're sitting in a good spot as it comes to really getting the players they want in the upcoming years so that they can like actually do well in this rebuild and even though they're going to be kind of tragic for this upcoming season if they start getting those star rookies now 
they could be, you know, like a really good contender two to three years from now. Yeah, the the rebuild is certainly accelerated by Sam Presti. And Sam Presti, I think this is going to be the new model for rebuilding a team. Probably. If you have the assets to hack off. Because, um, like we said, usually in the NBA, you go into this purgatory of, you're decent for three or four years, then you have to suck for three or four years, and then you're trying to pull yourself off that bottom rung. You're trying to hit the, the drafts a crapshoot. Well, the Thunder have given themselves as me, like the most chances to hit that we've ever seen in the NBA. So it's hard to believe that this team's not going to figure it out and have some talent. In 2022, the Thunder have their own pick. They have a Suns pick. Okay, that Suns pick is protected 1 through 12. Here's the good thing about the Suns pick, though. Okay, it's going to be a first-round pick sometime between now and 2025. It's not going to turn into second-rounders. Basically, it's protected 1 through 12. If it's 1 through 12, it kicks on to the next year, 1 through 10. If it's 1 through 10, it kicks on to the next year, 1 through 8. If it kicks on in 2025, that's when the pick conveys if all the protections pan out. So they'll have uh, that Suns pick sometime between now and 2025, and then the Clippers pick, which the Clippers – this is the season that, you know, if Kawhi Leonard hates it and Paul George hates it, like technically they could be blown up, blown it up. So not necessarily a guarantee that that's going to be a 25 through 30 pick for that Clippers pick. Yeah, I don't project that being a a top pick by the Clippers just based on the roster they have right now. Right. So really what you have is like a Suns pick sometime. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Thunders pick, which will be good probably because they're not going to do well in – this upcoming season, and even if they do get a really, really good star from the 2021 draft pick, it still doesn't mean that they're going to be amazing that season. So you could see them get a pretty nice draft pick just based on the fact that you know they're still in transition from this rebuild. Yeah, for sure. And the good thing too about that Suns pick is since it with the protections, it will convey to a first round pick eventually. I think that makes it a more valuable pick when you're trying to trade stuff. Yeah, because well. because it doesn't stick someone down to a year. Yeah, you know, you can be like, oh, it could be anything. Well, like, like basically, it is. It's like it's gonna be a first round pick. It's not gonna turn into second rounders. Oh well, yeah, I just mean that, like that's what I mean. Is that it'll be yeah. easier to move because it's not like okay, well, you can have this pick, but it might actually be two second rounders. It's like it's gonna be a first round pick. It's just whenever the Suns are good enough for it to not convey. Well, basically. yeah. So okay, twenty twenty three. The Thunder have their own pick, which, by the way, the Thunder have their own pick every year. They've ha- somehow managed to do all this and keep all their own picks. They've also got Denver. That's a protected 1 through 14. They've got Miami. Miami is a protected 1 through 14. It's the same thing as the Suns pick. The the It's protected. It will be a first-round pick. It unlocks in 2026 if, if none of the protections hit. So they have Miami. That's 1 through 14 protected. Denver, 1 through 14 protected. Then their own pick. And then a Clippers pick swap. So... Uh, again, two picks that are in the back end of that 2023 draft, their Thunder pick. But again, I think the value here is you've got, like this Miami pick, like that Suns pick, will be a first-round pick sometime. Like I, I, I'm targeting these as like, these are the picks the Thunder are going to try to move. Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately they have picks that they can just move up or they have picks that they can trade away or picks that they can use. Yeah. And, and they have a plethora of them, so it could just... Every year they could still keep their pick and still be strong and do whatever they want with the other ones. Like, even if the Thunder only have one draft pick a year out of these drafts in the first round, you basically can say, okay, we've got three picks here. Let's just package them and move. see how far we can move up. You get a guy that's right. higher on your board, stuff like that. So, like, again, for those people that are saying, 
what good are are 20 picks or whatever? You can't pick all those players. Like, yeah, the Thunder can't pick all those players. Fine. This is the value of it. Every single year, the Thunder can move up, and you see every year, like, it, you're betting on Sam Presti in the front office's evaluation of players, and if they do that correctly, moving up seven, eight picks could be super valuable every year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's no telling what he can do or the Thunder can do with just packaging those picks, like you said, Ryan, to move up to, like, top three. For sure, for sure. Okay, real quick, 2025, um, there's a Houston pick swap there. That's a protected 1 through 10, so if the Rockets are into the top 10, they can't swap in there. But the Thunder have their own pick, that pick swap, and then they've got a Philly pick that's protected 1 through 6. This Philly pick is also going to be a first-round pick at some point. There's just scaled protections through 2028. And then in 2026, uh, Houston, it's a 1 through 4 protected. That becomes a second-round pick if the Rockets land 1 through 4. Anywhere else, it's the Thunder's pick and they'll have their own pick and the Clippers. So, again, basically two or three picks a year from here on out, and that's assuming the protections keep punting things down the road. Right. Like, this is insane. Yes. When you look at this amount, like, it's insane. And the fact that Sam Presti was able to just keep leveraging picks while keeping his own picks – how? Yeah, the only time I remember seeing this is honestly when Boston – got that just stupid deal from Brooklyn so that Boston's making the Eastern Conference Finals and then picking in the top three every year still yeah. because they own Brooklyn's future. Like it, Obviously, there's not a team as bad as Brooklyn on this list of picks that they own, but just the sheer volume means that I, like I, I believe any time in the next three drafts, if the Thunder want a pick, not saying it's even one. If the Thunder are drafting 10 and they they need that third pick, like I believe the Thunder have the capital to buy any pick they want in the next three drafts. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's kind of scary when you're thinking. I mean, it's not scary. It's great for Thunder fans, so be right. excited. But what I mean is when you think of the NBA as a whole, you, obviously people got mad at Golden State Warriors for building a super team. It's happening in Brooklyn, so people are kind of getting – I think people are getting excited about it because there's going to be more than one super team, but also some people are mad about it. The Thunder could be on the road to technically kind of building something similar with a younger roster, which is kind of exciting to think about when you project this into like the upcoming years. Yeah, and it's it's the thing that the Thunder are never going to be able to build a super team through free agency. Right. So you, you kind of just have to think of like Spurs. They're not going to be able to draft that core and then have good enough draft picks to continue to say, okay, well – this piece it ages out and they want to go somewhere else, this role player, something like that. Well, now the Thunder can just draft another player to slot in right next to this core. It, it'll it fit, you know, because the Thunder are making that pick. I just really think that it's a, an incredible situation. We've never seen anything like it. So I, like, I'm, We've never seen anything like it. I'm more excited to see what the Thunder do in upcoming drafts and things like that because we've just never seen any team with this much draft capital that's more exciting than what's going to happen on the floor the next year in, in Thunder basketball. Yeah, I'm hoping they just do right with the picks, though. You know, right. I hope that they don't trade up to get someone that doesn't make sense. That's well, my only fear. I, the, I mean, the draft's a crapshoot, so they're they're right. very well like bust potential. But that's that's the beauty that's of it. Yeah, is they're not tearing it down and sucking for three years and just banking on there being an all worldly talent. Like the 2021 draft's projected to be really deep. That 2022 draft could be a double draft if the NCAA lifts that restriction on players going from high school to college. And the Thunder, like, this is what, you know, Brady Trantham has said on this podcast, that the Thunder have enough picks that if it's not working out in two years, they could probably tear it down again 
And yeah, it's going to suck. It's going to extend it by another two years, but you're still going to have the capital to rebuild. It's not going to be a decade long process. Yeah. I mean, if anything, it's all accelerated at this point. So yes, possibilities are again, endless. So that brings us back to though, what's happening this year. And again, shout out Chisholm Holland, who's been tracking this. He's been a big help with all this, but I'm just going to run down the roster. This is missing one or two guys. But it's missing guys that are going to be so exhilarated that it doesn't really matter. So here's your Thunder roster this year. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Lou Dort, Darius Baisley, Al Horford, George Hill, Trevor Ariza, Mike Muscala, Hami Diallo, Ty Jerome, Jalen Lecuh, whatever it is, Lecuh. Alexei Pokashevsky, then you've got Isaiah Roby, Justin Jackson, Darius Miller, and then... Players that Thunder technically have the draft rights to, I guess they could stay overseas, but Teo Maldon, you know, this year's pick, Vit Krejci, and Maicic, the guy from Philly. So looking at this, Christine, um, I'm, I'm looking it over and I'm thinking, okay, so starting, starting five possibilities, uh, maybe George Hill, SGA, and Dort, or George Hill, SGA, and, and Ariza, and then maybe, you know, uh, Baisley and Horford. Like, is that kind of what you have in mind? Yeah, I mean Horford's definitely in the starting five for sure for me, at least at the five. And yeah. you got you got SGA. I think you have, I think you could have Hamadou Diallo, possibly. Yeah, if they if they want to go with that defensive look that's been classic Thunder, but if you're gonna go Hami, I think you just go Lou Dort. Yeah, I agree. So I agree. I mean, I just don't. I I have a Lou Dort bias. I, he's one of my favorite players, yeah, so I don't so, I don't want to like go like, too deep into that. But yeah, so I think it's gonna be SGA, Lou Dort, Al Horford. Possibly Darius Baisley, um, so but I, maybe George Hill. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think the question is: Do the Thunder view SGA as the primary ball handler or as a secondary ball handler who's going to have it a ton? If they want to keep him in that role, as we've kind of projected, that's why Cade Cunningham continues to make sense as far as a target. I think you're going to have George Hill start alongside SGA. Yeah. So then the question is: At the three, are you going Dort or are you going Ariza? I guess you could go Dort, Ariza, and Horford and just play small. Like I, I wouldn't do that because I, I know they want to develop Darius Baisley. Here's why I think that you give Hill and Ariza the nod over Dort, though. And that's because Hill's a guy that he's got two years left, but you might be able to move him to a contender at the deadline if a point guard goes down or something like that. Ariza... He's on the books for 12.8 mil this year, then he's off. So Ariza's a guy that you're going to want to feature early on in the season and then flip him. So I think that there's a way that you can start Ariza, try to feature him with the best guys on the team, and still play a ton of Lou Dort and get the best of both worlds, where if Lou Dort comes in staggered for Hill or SGA, or say Lou Dort comes in for Hill in that rotation, he's still playing a ton of minutes and you're flipping Ariza. I think Lou Dort is going to kind of take Dennis Schroeder's role as the sixth man of the team. I right. think I think his skill set is really great as a six man because his shooting doesn't allow him that starting spot. He's not as dynamic from behind the three as you would want him to be at that position. But when he comes in and he just adds that spurt of energy into the defense, that is going to re-energize the entire um, defensive threats of the entire team. Right. So for me, I think Lou Dort should kind of you know kind of recircle into that sixth man role that Dennis Schroeder filled last season. And then that would allow either George Hill or Reza to have his starting position well, to kind I think of you, feature, them, feature them early, like you said. For that to fit, I think you would put Ariza in. Yeah. Because then you have Hill and SGA. And then when Dort comes in, one of those guys come off. Right. 
and that slots in like, okay, so that's your five minutes of the game if, if George Hill comes out that you want SGA to be the primary ball handler. He gets mm-hmm. that work in there. Dort can play the two alongside him and have um, Ariza come in. I, I just think that Ariza's a guy you're going to want to start to try and flip for anything. The the only two other – because you got Justin Jackson, Darius Miller. Those guys are going to head into free agency. Jackson will be a restricted free agent. And, like, I, I don't think you're trying to flip Muskie for anything. So – you know, Justin Jackson, Darius Miller, I think it'll be interesting, but I don't think that they're guys you prioritize starting over developing a player because I don't think that flip's going to be worth it. I th- I, like, no, I don't I guess either. What I'm trying to say is Hill and Ariza are the two guys that you prioritize maybe a little bit over just strict development because of the return you could potentially get from them if the fit's right. Yeah, if you're, if you're talking about this as a um, as a potential flip, like that, that's why you would – put these players ahead first I definitely agree with you if you're looking at a developmental standpoint then that's when you would want to pick the guys that are already on the roster that you know are going to be around for another two to three years and start with them and then filter in Darius Miller Justin Jackson if if you know like either the Thunder are actually Look, winning or somebody's gotta play someone's the tired I know like someone's too someone's tired gotta play the minutes. they gotta go in at some point question mark so I think that's when they would fit in but if you are going for a developmental standpoint obviously keep in all the um, Thunder players you actually do see building that future with. Yeah, and look, we're, we're not cap experts or anything like that, but I just kind of wanted to grid this out just to kind of show that, like, okay, George Hill, he's going to be here for two years. He's on the books for two years, sorry. But the other guys acquired really, like, Ariza, unrestricted free agent after this year. Jackson, restricted free agent after this year. Miller, unrestricted free agent after this year. Horford, he's on the books for three more years, and that contract will be, you know, a little tough to manage, but the thing is, like, 2021 is scheduled tank year. Cool. A- assuming you get your top pick in, like, Ariza, Mascala, Justin Jackson, Darius Miller, like, those guys, you don't have to pay them any money if that's not who you want to make part of the core of this team. Say, even if 2021, you know, next year's a tank year, too. Okay, after that, George Hill comes off the books. And, and Al Horford's in the last year of his deal, so he's the guy that you could try and then flip it makes it easier to flip as you know the weird method is the nba bad contracts become great contracts in the last year because you can trade them for something so i just think that sam presley's done a really nice job of this is a great tank team there's enough talent sort of to make it like you know it's not going to be completely unbearable to watch but this team's not going to win many games so on their own account they're going to get a high draft pick making it a little bit easier to rebuild but on top of that in two years when when Sam Presti uh, like ideally wants to hit on two top guys, you don't have to pay these guys. You can yeah. bring in you can you have the flexibility to bring in the veterans that you think fit best around those guys to a help the team win games, but also help their development. So I just I have to commend Sam Presti because I think it's a really good job he's done with the players he's gotten back. Yeah, when you look at where their contracts are ending, it is in the perfect timing. Yes, and that is not a coincidence. So. In order for Sam Presti to, you know, go through this rebuild and get the players he wants in 2021, 2022, and be able to kind of foster that rebuild, after this year, you're getting rid of, I mean, like, you could potentially get rid of five contracts. Right. And have it work out in your favor. For sure. And that's just, you know, perfect planning by Sam Presti. So when you look at everything he's done, all the picks he's gotten, the contracts he's picked up, and the players that he has to kind of see if he can foster the culture that he wants to start this rebuild, it's kind of one of the most strategic rebuilds I've ever seen. Yeah, for sure. It's it's what Sam Hinkie did in Philly on 
steroids. So, I, look, I hope – I know that we kind of got into the weeds, but it's hard not to with all the moves that Sam Presti has made. And like we said, in two years – if you go back two years from this roster, like totally different reshaped roster. So, hopefully that gave you a little bit better idea of exactly, A, who's on the team – what the Thunder got in return, what first-round picks they hold, all that stuff. Uh, I'm sure if, if anything huge drops, obviously we will be back for that. But other than that, Christine, we've got, oh, at what, December 1st, I believe, is when uh, teams can report to camp. So we got eight, nine days here, and then people are reporting to camp, and we'll be back in it. I am so excited basketball is about to start. Yes. I'm, 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 like, grinning way too harsh right now, but – it's finally about to be that time of year. I know, like, and it feels so good. College basketball in the state kicks up on Wednesday, so uh, Thunder fans, your first look at potential savior of the franchise, Kate Cunningham. I believe that comes Wednesday. Like, college basketball is rolling in. The pros are right around the corner. It'll be a ton of fun. Even though, like, I truly think this team's going to be very bad, but it's going to be just fascinating to cover. So I think it's going to be one of those rare yeah. teams. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're going to be terrible. I I think we're going to see a lot of glimpses of hope I think throughout be, this season. I think they could be pretty awful. I, listen, okay, okay. I don't want to view this holistically. I think game to game there's going to be a lot of development, and even though they're not going to win a lot of basketball games, I do think we're going to see these players really mature from just one season of basketball. Yeah. And I'm excited to see how that happens. Yeah, for sure, for sure. This is the hashtag ride the storm year that fans were prepping for last year. This is year. when you prove your loyalty, people. I guess. I, I mean, mean, this is when you've been through it. You know you know when the Thunder get good and people are like, oh, I remember the year when they went through this rebuild and I was there. This is your year to be a loyal fan, so do it. It's the opposite of what my Hawks do, which is my Hawks give you one good year every like 15 <laughs> years, and you're like, remember that year? Remember when we you had ch- you we chose had to all be a Hawks five fan. starters as the Eastern Conference Player of the Month? That was fun. Hey, the Hawks, I don't feel bad for you. The Hawks are gonna be okay this year. It's exciting. It's exciting. The Hawks uh, are gonna be okay. But this is not a Hawks podcast. This is the OKC 82, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond. Uh, Christine, thank you for hopping on and uh, being brave enough to try and hack our way through every single move that Sam Presti's made. He has kept us on our toes, that's for sure. At CBN Sports is where they can find you on the Twitter machine. Obviously, you do a lot of great stuff. We also have a podcast, by the way. Shout out Sideline Warning um, at Sideline Pod for that. I'm Ryan Chapman at Radio's Ryan. We'll see you next time, guys. See ya.